I always like to pray before I speak. Please join me once again in a prayer. Heavenly Father, how we thank you for our conference together. How we thank you, Lord, for the summer that's passed, all the blessings of it. How we thank you, Lord, for every token of your goodness to us day by day. And Lord, throughout this weekend, as we've gathered around your word, Lord, and we've been challenged, we've been instructed, and we've been helped, we've been equipped. Lord, we thank you for all of these things. May this all be true, Lord, as we gather once again. May we sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, hearing his word, not the word of a man, but the word of God through his word, by his spirit, helping us, we pray, to make wise choices, to use our days well, and to set our priorities in the light of eternity, we pray. For his sake. Amen. There was once a lecturer who went into a lecture room full of students and um, he had a bucket which he uh, began to fill with fist sized rocks. And when he got to the top of the bucket, he said to the students, Is it full? And they all nodded and said, Yes. And then he stooped down and he picked up a bag of gravel smaller stones and he poured it into the bucket and it went in all the cracks between the big rocks and there it was and he said is it full now oh yes it's full now and then he went and got another bag and this was sand and he poured the sand in and it filled all the cracks in between the gravel and the big rocks and then he said is it full now and not all the students had answered having been hoodwinked twice they wouldn't answer So a few of them said yes, but then one or two didn't. And then he stooped down and he got a jug of water and he poured the water on the sand, on the gravel, on the rocks. And of course, it was full at that point. And then he said, so what's the lesson from this visual aid? One of the students put his hand up and he said, well, there's always room for a bit more. And another, another student put his hand up, a bit more science-minded, and he said, the density of water is less than the density of sand, gravel, and rocks. And the lecturer said, no, 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 no. The lesson is this. To fill the bucket, you've got to put the big rocks in first. Put the big rocks in first. And when we're thinking about your life and mine, Day by day, week by week, year by year, you put the big rocks in first. That's the lesson of priorities, prioritizing. Bernard Wright, one of the founders of Beach Mission, said these words. If you don't understand priorities, you don't understand the Christian life. Wow. If you don't understand priorities, you don't understand the Christian life. You see, let me say it another way. Not all the things you do are equally important. Therefore, it is very wise to come aside and in the light of God's word to reflect on how am I spending my time? What am I doing with my life? What do I want to do with my life? 
how do I want to be remembered? How you use your time. We've all got the same amount of time. Exactly every person. We've all got 24 hours in every day. No, day, no days are... I have got more than you, you have got less than... We're all the same. But there's such a difference between the lives of some Christians and others. Priorities is the key to making your life and mine count for eternity. When Werner retired, Steve, his son, told me that they gave him a clock, a big grandfather clock. And on the clock was a text. The text was, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Maybe they thought he was going to have time on his hands, so they gave him a big clock. But the man who gave it to him, um, Dr. Bahasidon, now professor in the University of Leeds, said these words. He said, I know of no man who redeems the time better than him. And of course, Werner was a man who achieved a lot in his life in every way. Well, put the big rocks in first. That's the title of the talk. And uh, we're going to be looking at 24 hours in the life of Christ, okay? A day in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. What can we learn from Mark's gospel? A little bit about Mark's gospel. You know who wrote Mark's gospel, don't you? Don't have to be a genius for that one. Mark. But the early church records tell us that he was really Peter's secretary. This is Peter's gospel. The big fisherman, powerful preacher, and Mark, we can imagine, sitting down and, and writing. Uh, he's heard preacher, Peter preach many times. And as Peter is martyred, goes to be with the Lord, it's time to get the account down. And Mark is the author, the, uh, the, the secretary of Peter. We're really getting Peter's story here. And, of course, we're going to go into Peter's mother-in-law's house in a few minutes where he lived and worked in Capernaum. So let's look at the life of Christ, shall we? Verse 21, um, uh, so that's where we start our 24-hour period. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath day, he entered the synagogue and taught. Very, very simple point. Jesus went to church on the Sabbath day. Now, you find that all the way through the Gospels. It was his business to honour God on the day that God had appointed and go to church, go to meet with other Christians and hear the word, or in this case, preach the word. That is a big rock to put in your life. What am I talking about? Honouring God on the day that he's appointed. For the Jews, it was the seventh day. But we don't start from at that point. We start from a position of rest. We remember the Lord's day when Jesus himself rose from the grave, conquered death, set, our, set in train something that would lead to a new creation, a new heavens and a new earth with him at the center, with you included if you're a Christian. And of course, the Lord's day, Sunday, is when Christians from the very first days of after the resurrection, they met to eight days later. They met with him again. And all the way through from the very earliest times 
meeting together on the Lord's Day, sometimes before dawn because some of these people were slaves and they did it before the day started, but they would meet with other believers on the Lord's Day. It was a holy day. It was a hallowed day. You know, one of the quotes I like from the early church is a, a fellow called Ignatius. He was a disciple of the apostle John. So he knew John, the apostle, who, of course, reclined on the bosom of Jesus at the Last Supper and so on. Ignatius knew him and he wrote, living for the Lord's day. That's how highly Ignatius viewed uh, the, the keeping of the Lord's day. Where did he get that from? got that from the apostle John, of course, following the example of our Lord, who's always in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Does your church have two services? Make it your business to be there. And if not, can you go in the morning to the your church and then maybe go to another one in the evening to keep the whole day for the Lord? Can you encourage a Christian, uh, maybe with a walk or a letter or a phone call? This shouldn't be a day for shopping and all the other things and, and homework. This is a day to close the books. It was great to hear Roger say last night, the only day he didn't feel guilty for not working. He didn't work on the other days either, but he didn't, he didn't feel guilty about it on a Sunday. And, you know, that's, that's it, isn't it? We, we don't, that's, that's, for, that's for the world. We're not like that. You know, someone said to me, how, how, many, how many days holiday do you have a year? I said, I have 52 days every year. 52 days holiday. He said, wow, that's a lot. Who do you work for? I said, first day of every week is a day of rest and joy and gladness. 52 Sundays. Uh, I do take other holidays as well, by the way, but you know what I mean. 52 days, the Lord says, remember me. Rest from your labors and focus in. It is a big rock, friends. It is a life-changing one. It's interesting, again, high achievers uh, in the Christian life are often very strict on their keeping of God's day. Werner was, he was served on the Lord's Day Observance uh, Committee or whatever to, to honor that. And that's been a principle in our work uh, for, 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 since the start and hopefully will be going forward. He went to church on the Sabbath day. He honored the Lord's day. We should do the same. Now, the next one is he taught on the Sabbath day. And the point is this. Jesus read and knew his Bible. He did. And, of course, we, we know that when he preached it, it was like, one person has said, it was like being hit by a bus. The authority and the power with which he spoke. We see it in verse 21. It says, they were astonished. That's a strong word. They'd never heard anything like this. The scribes taught from authority, but he taught as if he was the authority. And, of course, he is the authority. It's his word. Can you imagine sitting in a church service where the living word is preaching the written word? And, of course, we should know our Bibles in order to know the Lord. Do you remember after Jesus had risen again from the, uh, from the grave? He, he met with the disciples. What did he do? Well, initially he showed them his hands and his feet. It really was a physical bodily resurrection. He had a, a resurrection body. But it was not a spirit or a ghost. A spirit or a ghost doesn't have flesh and blood, flesh and bones as you see that I have. But do you know, we find him on more than one occasion going through the scriptures with them. 
Luke's gospel is good for this. On the road to Emmaus. And later on, he shows them from the scriptures the parts which refer to himself. The Psalms. The, 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 the prophets. The history books. Law. And what's he saying there? He's saying to the disciples in this transition period. Look, I've been with you for three years. You've seen me physically. You've seen me uh, eyes and, and heard me. Touched me and so on. But now I'm going to go to heaven shortly. Where will you find me? You'll find me here. And if we want to find Christ, we want to know Christ, we want to love Christ, then we have to be people of the book. We have to read it. Can I challenge you if you've never read it? Before you go on UBM next year to have read it all the way through, four chapters a day and you'll be ready for July next year, having read the whole Bible. But you know, have a plan. Have a program to get you through. And when you've done it once, do it again. And just do it again and you'll find it becomes easier. It's tough the first time. It becomes easier and it becomes more manageable as you carry on reading the Bible. And you know, Jesus knew his Bible and he preached his Bible. And we should be those who do the same. Whether it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we need to be Bible students. He went to church on the Lord's Day, on the Sabbath day, and he read his Bible. Now, in the church this time in Capernaum, it says there was a man with an unclean spirit. It's very sad that in many churches today, there's men with unclean spirits. This man was a little bit different in that he was possessed with uh, a demon, demon possession, uh, a reality we find in uh, in the gospel accounts, uh, but also in places where the gospel hasn't been, of course. And probably as Britain goes into the darkness, we can expect to see perhaps more uh, demon possession. And the demon recognizes who Christ is. I know you, who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And of course, uh, the demons knew Christ from the spiritual realm. Maybe they were amazed, as we ought to be, that the creator of the heavens had become a human being and was in that tiny little town in Capernaum in the synagogue on that day. I've just been speaking to the young, pe- the young people, the, the, the teenagers, not quite old enough for, for here yet. And I showed them uh, a slide of the Milky Way. Uh, not the chocolate bar, which they thought it was, but uh, the stars. 200 billion stars in the Milky Way. Uh, 600,000 trillion miles, 100,000 light years, across the Milky Way. There's a star in the Milky Way which if you put it where our sun is, our sun, Mercury in its orbit, Venus in its orbit, Earth in its orbit, Mars in its orbit, and Jupiter in its orbit would fit inside. That's one of the stars in the Milky Way. Massive. And the Milky Way is one of billions of galaxies. Let me say that again. Billions of galaxies. Wow. And the one who made it all 
was in a synagogue at Nazareth preaching to ordinary people. The creator became clay and stood in front of people and preached his word. The demon knew who he was and he called out, have you come to torment us before the time? And Jesus will not let him speak. Why will he not let him speak? As we saw last night in Peter's talk, the devil speaks truth, but he speaks error. He is the Holy One. But he has not come to condemn. He's come to save. And he does his work of salvation before he does his work of judgment. The demon is muzzled. It's interesting that word, be muzzled. A muzzle is what you put on a wild animal. It's the, he says the same thing when he's in the boat to the, the, the great wind. is a great spirit is muzzled. There's going to be a great wind that's muzzled. And both times the question is asked, who is this? And of course, it's God. God the Son standing before us. His holiness was recognized by the demons. Now the little challenge for us, the big challenge for us, sorry, is this. Are you known as a holy person? How is your walk with God today? Without holiness, says the apostle, no one will see the Lord. That's why J.C. Ryle, the text that J.C. Ryle used to base his book Holiness on, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I cannot speak very bluntly to the men here. You know, the internet is a blessing in terms of how we can do so much technology and so on today. It really is causing great advances in science and so on and so forth. But it is a doorway to the worst excesses and temptations and, and pornography at the click of a mouse and a button. And can I speak very bluntly? I've heard in the last just two weeks, three weeks, of leading Christian men who've fallen into sin because of sexual temptation. And very often it starts in the room, in front of the screen, looking at things they shouldn't look at. Can I talk about films? You really, really need to be careful what you watch. How can some of that, that some of that stuff is just not compatible with holiness of mind and of life. Be careful what you allow yourself to watch. You will never be holy if you just let it come in. And uh, you need to have the off switch. And if you're not strong enough, like me, to have an off switch, get rid of the thing altogether. Really, I think the time has come for drastic action on this one. Having seen so many, or heard of so many, who've fallen by the way. Jesus was recognized as being holy. A priority is that we have to be holy. And that means saying no to uh, sinful things on screens in front of our eyes. Now, the next one here is this one. We find 
that Jesus uh, spent time with uh, people. He went out from the um, synagogue and he went into the house of Simon Peter. Um, and there he was. Uh, his mother-in-law was sick. I love the personal touch. Verse 30. It says, uh, he came, verse 31, and he took her by the hand. The, the love of the Lord for his people here. He comes in and she's burning up with a fever, bedridden, and he takes her and just heals her and she's able to serve them. You can go to Capernaum today, by the way, and you see the houses that they lived in. You can see the old town where Jesus lived, where Jesus ministered. You can see the synagogue. You can see the, the foundation of it from the first century, the building where he went where that demon-possessed man was. And just about 20 yards away, you can see the house. It's said to be the house where Simon Peter lived. There's a church built over the top of it, and there's a glass floor, and you can go in and you can see. Do you know what strikes you as you see these things? Just how small and pokey these rooms are. The Son of God in little houses with ordinary people. And here's the woman, poor woman, laid aside. Jesus comes in, lays her up. And she's able to serve them. And uh, he spends the rest of the day serving God's people. They come, the whole city, outside the door. As soon as the sun goes down and Sabbath's over. And he spends long into the night healing and helping and making well. Casting out demons. But then I find this next verse one of the most challenging verses in the New Testament. Verse 35. In the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. He sought God early. He sought God early. This day in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ is given to us and we see that, okay, we started in the morning at the synagogue through the night and ministering to people. But then the next day, he's up. Before daylight, he's seeking the Lord. Why? Because it's a priority for him to meet with God before he meets with anybody else. This is a daily habit that you and I need to develop. Do you know, this, I don't say we all have to get up before the sun gets up. But I do say this, before the day starts, we should meet, before we meet with others, we should meet with him and commit the day to him in prayer and to read his word. There's a lovely illustration of the, um, uh, come out of the Omar bombing 20 years ago, more, 1998, the IRA, real IRA, planted a huge bomb in Omar, killed loads of people. Some of the bodies were so badly mangled, they couldn't recognize them. The forensic investigators went to the home of one of the victims and said carefully to her mother, do you have anything with her fingerprints on? Because we can't recognize her. And the mother said, I'll go and get her Bible. Her fingerprints were all over the Bible. You know, meeting with God in the morning, 
reading his word and praying. I don't know what Scott said. He spoke about the Lord's Prayer on Friday night. Some of you here, we have having our advisory committee meeting there. He spoke about the Lord's Prayer. And he did a great job because we had a full house at the prayer meeting the next day. Over 120 of you came to pray. That's great. But can I urge you to make the Lord's Prayer a daily prayer that you pray? It's meant to be prayed daily. Give us this day our daily bread. But particularly, the line I believe we need to pray in these days is the, uh, is the next but one petition. Keep us from the evil one. I believe we need to pray that every single day. We're even in days of temptation and attack upon Christian things. And to start the day, to ask for God's forgiveness and to forgive others, to ask for him to feed us spiritually and physically, to pray for his kingdom to come upon the world, to to pray for the extension of, of the gospel, and to pray to be kept from evil. Because I think it's important. He gave us that prayer to pray. And I'd urge you to make that a priority in your life. Seek God's protection as you commit the days to him. As you seek God before every day. So he went to church. So should we. He read his newest Bible. So should we. He was recognized as being holy. So should we be. He spent time serving God's people individually. Individuals and corporately. He sought God early every day, and so should we. Finally, what are Jesus' priorities today? Turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. We find that phrase very early in the morning, same words in Mark chapter 16, because, of course, it's resurrection day, and very early in the morning, Jesus rises from the grave. Later on, he appears to the disciples and he says these words. Verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. The Great Commission. Matthew told us what we ought to do. Teach. Mark, who we ought to go to. Everybody. Luke, what we should say, repentance and remission of sins through the blood of the cross. John, how we should go, just like Jesus did, as my Father sent me, I send you. And and Acts, where we should go, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Five times, resurrection appearance of Christ. The emphasis is on worldwide evangelism. That is Jesus' priority in the glory as he sent his spirit to fill us, enable us, equip us and push us out to tell others the gospel. Famous missionary of the 19th century was a guy called C.T. Studd. You can read his story. England cricketer who gave it all up and served the Lord in, first in China, then in India. And then with health wrecked, but spirit strong, went to Africa and founded the Heart of Africa mission, which became WEC. He wrote these words, which are coming up next. Thank you, Paul. Two little lines I read one day as traveling along life's busy way. 
bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord, to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would carry a victory score, would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, in joy or in sorrow, thy word to keep, faithful and true, whatever the strife, pleasing you in daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn. And from the world now let me turn, living for you and you alone, bringing you pleasure on your throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the challenge of people who've given everything for you. They've given their money. They've given their time. They've given their lives uh, to serve you, to live for you, to tell others about you. And Lord, we thank you for the challenge of our Master, the Lord Jesus Christ, who in his daily life, exhibited that perfection Lord that we should seek to copy we fail you in many ways and we thank you so much for his great death on the cross which cleanses from all sin but our prayer Lord is that we might consecrate ourselves to you and in the days weeks months years that remain we might remember Lord to give you our lives that our lives however long or short they be would last Uh, count rather for eternity we pray these things in jesus name amen we're going to sing our final hymn